Hello everyone, and welcome back to another bonus episode here on Patreon, where we are continuing our look at some of the questions that still hang over the Battle of Marathon. So far, we've explored the questions around the dispositions of the Athenians and the Persians on the day of battle at the Bay of Marathon. This saw us look at two of the most popular theories that have emerged, one seeking to explain events through the very limited account by Herodotus, taking what he says literally, while the other attempts to make more sense of the battlefield and take into the account the experienced nature of the Persian army in campaigning. In trying to answer this question, we also had the task of trying to locate the most likely position that both sides would have established their camps at, with our conclusions resting on what made sense from a geographical sense and taking into account the objectives of each side. After dealing with these questions, we then moved on to the questions surrounding the depth of Greek tactics on the battlefield. Had this tactical approach begun with the arrival of the Greeks at Marathon and their establishment of their camp? We then tried to look at how far this tactical outlook went, with us looking at how the Greek line was deployed. Were they merely attempting to match the length of the Persian line, or were they looking to influence the direction that the battle would go in? While we would also try and understand the abnormal action of the Greek run towards the Persian line through a tactical lens. In this episode, we'll be turning to one of the biggest questions that has remained for the past 2,500 years. Where was the Persian cavalry? We know the Persians had travelled with a sizeable cavalry contingent, and we would hear about them during the preparations for the campaign as well as their actions at Eritrea. However, once a marathon, which we are told was chosen due to its ability to support the cavalry, there is no more mention of this arm of the Persian army. So let's see if we can try and get to the bottom of where the Persian cavalry was and what may have been happening with them. So, for the first Persian campaign that would end with the Battle of Marathon, we have several references that indicate the Persians took a contingent of cavalry on campaign with them. These being from various written accounts, as well as one depicted in art. I want to quickly outline some of the more obvious examples pointing to cavalry involvement from Herodotus' account. Then we will see some of the more subtle examples as we look at the various theories that look to explain where the cavalry may have been. Our first indication from Herodotus that cavalry accompanied the Persian army was before the campaign even set out. He would tell us that special transports were constructed that would carry the cavalry across the Aegean with the rest of the fleet. He would tell us that the naval fleet would meet up with the Persian land forces in Silesia and this would be where the Persian horse would be located onto these specially constructed transports. Herodotus' second reference to the Persian cavalry would then come once the campaign was well underway and the Persians had landed on Eritrea. Eritrea, along with Athens, had assisted the Ionians in their revolt against the Persians by sending ships to provide forces. Persia would land in Eritrea to exact their revenge for daring to attack the Persian Empire. Once the Persian fleet landed on the coast, Herodotus would tell us that the Persian cavalry were the first forces to be disembarked before operations began. The third reference to Persian cavalry involvement would come after the Persians had become masters of Eritrea. This would not be a direct reference to the cavalry themselves, but would point out the reason behind why Marathon Bay was chosen as the place where the Persians would land for their attack on Athens. It would be pointed out that it was the most suitable place in Attica to operate cavalry from. The assumption here being that the fleet had cavalry to disembark for their attack on Athens. However, with this reference at Marathon being a suitable location for cavalry, we then hear nothing more of them once Herodotus begins his account of the events that would develop around the battle and during it. The mystery of where the Persian cavalry was during the Battle of Marathon has remained one of the biggest questions to still exist around the battle. These references given by Herodotus leading up to the battle 
and then not mentioning them again, have led to many to believe that once the battle took place, the Persian cavalry was absent. But for what reason has remained up for debate? Though as we will see, one theory we will explore will have the Persian cavalry among the Persian battle line. The other theories that we will deal with are the most popular that are put forward and we'll look at each one in turn. These include the cavalry remaining on Eritrea, the cavalry being rested in the Persian rear and the cavalry being loaded onto the ships. So let's look at each of these in a bit more detail. So the first theory that we'll look to explain the absence of the Persian cavalry at Marathon would have to do with them never making it there in the first place. As we have pointed out already, Herodotus tells us that the cavalry were unloaded when the Persians arrived at Eritrea. The fighting here would last a week, where the city of Eritrea would finally fall to the Persians through treachery. Probably the main reason this view has been put forward is due to the fact that this was the last time that Herodotus refers to the cavalry, and the attack on Eritrea took place just before the Persians made their way to Marathon. So the implication here was that the cavalry for some reason did not make the journey over to Attica and take part in the action there. If we are to entertain this explanation, we probably need to assume that after the fighting on Eritrea, the cavalry had become combat ineffective. Herodotus does tell us that during the fighting, both sides would suffer many casualties over the six days. So if we wanted to read into this with a theory in mind that the cavalry did not continue the marathon, then perhaps the Persian cavalry contingent had taken very heavy casualties. If so, they might not have then been able to take any further action in the campaign. Given that the details around the fighting in Eritrea are very limited, we need to make pretty big assumptions here. However, given what details we do have, I am more partial to thinking that the cavalry did not share in the heavy casualties that the foot soldiers would have encountered. This thinking comes from the fact that we know that the Persian operations would be directed at defensive positions, as the Eritreans would not leave their walls to meet the Persians in the field. The Persians being experienced in taking walled cities would not send their cavalry against these positions, as they were suited to harassing heavy armed troops from a distance or catching isolated troops out in the open. Sending cavalry, which in this period were lightly armed and armoured, against defensive walls would be suicide. We would hear that the Persians would launch heavy assaults against the city, which would have been carried out by foot troops, and these assaults on the defensive positions is most probably where the Persians suffered most of their casualties. Once Eritrea did fall, we would then hear that the Persians would spend a few days resting and reorganising. So if we can assume that the cavalry did not suffer the level of casualties, like the foot troops, then it seems like there is no reason to think that the cavalry had not been loaded back onto their transports to make the short trip to the Bay of Marathon. So if we assume that the Persian cavalry did make it to the Bay of Marathon, we then need to look to other theories to try and explain why we hear nothing of them on the day of battle. As we have pointed out, Marathon had been chosen by the Persians because of its being suitable to support cavalry. The area had large plains that could be used to rest and allow the horses to graze, while there was also plenty of fresh water for them. In our previous episode, we had pointed out the most likely place that the Persians had established their camp. It would be behind this Persian camp that these fields and fresh water would be located that would be able to support the Persian cavalry. We know that there would be many days that would pass before the Battle of Marathon would take place. This would see the Athenians and Persians form up each day from their camps to face off from one another in the preparation for battle. The Persian cavalry would also take their place in the Persian line, but after it becoming clear that no battle would take place for that day, troops would start to be stood down from the line. The horses of the cavalry would need to be taken to the rear to be fed and watered, 
for them to remain combat ready for the next day. So it is here in this necessity for the horses to remain fresh that we might see the reason for their absence from the line of battle. As we have brought up in other episodes, there is a saying that is recorded in a book known as a Suda that dates to the 10th century AD. This book would be a lexicon of the ancient world, and in its pages would be a saying, the horse are away. This would then be followed up with a description of the Battle of Marathon. So perhaps here, the Persians, after days of no activity, dismissed their cavalry from the battle line so they could be taken to the rear. The Greeks who had been observing the Persian movements day after day may have noticed this dismissing of the cavalry and seeing this as their best opportunity to cross the open ground between the two armies and engage in battle. This saying in the Suda then may have become the call to action for the Greeks, once the cavalry were in the rear of the Persians. However, this reference in the Suda would also be pointed to for another theory that we'll be looking at. So here we do have a possible theory that could explain the lack of cavalry in the battle. And it's hard to say one way or another if it was the case given the lack of details around the battle. But let's look at a couple of other theories that are often put forward. Our next theory doesn't look to try and explain the cavalry being absent from the action of battle, but in fact points to the cavalry as being part of the battle line. If this was the case, it's curious that Herodotus wouldn't mention the cavalry given how much was made of their involvement in the campaign, and Marathon Bay being chosen specifically for their operation. Though having said that, if the cavalry played no decisive or major part in the battle, then perhaps the actions were not worth mentioning in the paragraph that Herodotus devotes to the action. There are two main points that we can look at that could help explain why this theory of the cavalry being in the line is put forward. The first we'll look at focuses on a reference to a group of people that would be part of the Persian battle line, while the other draws on a work of art. Herodotus in his account of the battle would describe the Persian line of battle, listing what troops were where. In the centre of the Persian line, he would tell us, along with the native Persian troops, would be a group of people known as the Sakae. The Sakae were a group of people that appear to have occupied the northern and eastern Eurasian steppe at the time of the Persians' rise to power. They appear to have been a semi-nomadic people that were also closely related to the Scythians. Much like the Scythians, they are also well known for their horsemanship. For this reason, it has been suggested that by them being named, it points to cavalry being in this part of the Persian battle line. This is making a pretty big assumption, but it has been pointed out that the Persians would have likely used their subject peoples in roles where they were most suited when on campaign. The other bit of evidence that has also been pointed to is preserved in a relief. There is a sarcophagus that depicts the Battle of Marathon that was modelled off a relief dating to the 5th century BC, found on one of the buildings of the Agora in Athens. In the depiction, cavalry can be seen in the background of the fighting, suggesting that they were present in the line, with our reference to the Sake as being our most likely contingent. However, there are a few points for us first to consider before accepting this theory as being the case. First of all, we are making an assumption that the Sake were deployed as cavalry just because they had a reputation as being capable horsemen. In Herodotus' account, the Sakae are referred to a couple of other times. When Herodotus lists all the troops commanded by the Persians for Xerxes' second invasion, the Sakae are listed as part of the infantry forces. He infers that the Sakae were known to field cavalry, but for this expedition, they would not. We would hear that the Sakae would also serve as marines aboard triremes, with them being referred to a number of times before the Battle of Artemisium. While the following year, we would hear about them being part of the Persian battle line, 
at the Battle of Plataea in an infantry role. Granted, these references to the Sakae were during the second Persian invasion, 10 years after Marathon. But what it does is highlight that the Sakae were not just used as cavalry. They were also used in heavy infantry roles. While another point worth bringing up in this position in the Persian line of Marathon that the Sakae would hold, they would be in the centre with the other heavy infantry, where it would seem odd to deploy a force of cavalry. In ancient armies of this time, the greatest strength of cavalry was in their speed and mobility. They were for the most part lightly armoured and equipped, with ranged weapons to harass less mobile troops. Deploying this type of force in the centre of an infantry line doesn't make much sense here, as it would remove all the strengths and utility of the cavalry. Let's now move on to the last theory that we're going to cover this episode, and I do want to point out this is one I am most partial to. Here we're going to look at the idea that the Persian cavalry were being loaded back onto the Persian ships. This theory would also tie in with the Suda entry, Cavalry Away, that we brought up when talking about the cavalry being in the rear. The full entry under the saying would read, When Datus had invaded Attica, they say that the Ionians, after his withdrawal, climbed trees and signalled to the Athenians that the cavalry were away. And on learning that they had gone, Miltiades charged and so won a victory, hence the proverb is said in reference to those breaking ranks. This entry would point to the Ionians as having been brought along as part of the Persian army, since they had now been resubjugated, though when given the chance they then seemed to have acted to assist the Athenians. When looking at the Battle of Marathon in the pass, we had seen that after the Persians had been routed, they rushed back to their ships, where many of them managed to get back out to the sea. In the heat of battle, with the Athenians on their heels, it does seem being able to launch off many triremes would have been a difficult task, unless the ships had already been prepared to depart before the battle had begun. The theory here is that after many days of both armies facing off and no action taking place, the Persians stuck in Marathon Bay were looking to get their offensive on the move again. They probably would have realised that the entire Athenian army was out facing them, and Athens itself was undefended. It's then possible that the Persians looked to depart Marathon and sailed directly onto Athens and take the city before the army could respond. To do this though, the elements of the army that required the most time to prepare for sail would need to be loaded onto the ships first. This presumably would have been the cavalry, as it would have taken more time to sort out the horses on their transports. The other troops would need to remain in line to oppose the Athenians, or else the whole force would be overcome if the entire army attempted to re-embark altogether. It's also likely that the Persians would have attempted to keep their intentions hidden for as long as possible. This phrase of cavalry away could then be the point at which it was discovered what was taking place. With it also seen that the cavalry were no longer a threat, the Athenians would be able to cross the open fields without risk of being charged or harassed by them. The added element here is also the fact that the Persians were attempting to depart Marathon, this being an action the Greeks wanted to prevent. If the Persians could depart in good order, they would then be able to attempt a renewed effort on Athens at another location. I think this theory works in well with what we know to have taken place during and after the battle, while it also explains why we would hear nothing about the cavalry, as they would play no meaningful role during the battle itself. So these would be some of the most popular theories that have been put forward to explain why we don't hear about any cavalry involvement at Marathon. As we have seen, all but one look to explain the cavalry being away from the Persian line and not being involved in the battle. 
while one points to the cavalry in fact being in the Persian line, through subtle references. Ultimately, it is hard for us to say which theory is the real explanation based off the information that exists. We must make assumptions based on whichever theory we want to look at, making it impossible to say for certain what took place. As I said, I am partial to the idea that the cavalry were being re-embarked on the ships, as I think this explains the broader situation as well. It would seem probable that the Persians, after more than a week of inaction at a marathon, would be looking to get their army back in motion and to attack Athens, before the Athenians could muster more reinforcements. If you are interested in delving into the theories around the Persian cavalry, and the other questions that revolve around Marathon, I would highly recommend the book The First Clash by James Lacey. Next bonus episode, we will look at our final question that we put into focus with this series of episodes of Marathon. We will turn to the legendary story of the Marathon run by Pheidippides, as told by Plutarch. This story would be told some 600 years after the battle, but it would come to form the inspiration for the modern marathon race. So we will look at what we can find in the sources contemporary to the period of Marathon and see if there are connections to the later account by Plutarch. While we'll look at the feats that are mentioned in the sources and see if they were possible. Thank you all for your continued support here on Patreon. I greatly appreciate all the support you have been giving the show. I hope you all look forward to next month's episode when we will attempt to answer the questions around the first marathon run. <laughs>